0: The kids are not all right, at least their weight isn't. The prevalence of overweight American children has doubled among those 2 to 5 years of age and tripled among those 6 to 19 years of age. Sadly, one-third of all American children born today will develop type 2 diabetes as a result of obesity. The societal changes that have led to these changes in the health of American children will be the topic. Of this clinician's roundtable on Reach MDXM channel 233. Welcome, I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from New York City is my guest, Dr. Marion Nessel. Dr. Nessel is Paulette Goddard Professor in the Department of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University. Her degrees include a Ph.D. in Molecular Biology and an MPH in Public Health Nutrition, both from the University of California, Berkeley. Dr. Nessel is widely published in professional journals and in the popular press. She has written the award-winning books Food Politics and Safe Food. Her most recent book is What to Eat. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Nessel. Oh, glad to be here. Dr. Nessel, what happened in our society over the past 20 years that has led to increased rates of obesity in children and adults?
1: Well, I think there are three things and three major things, and some of them are very direct and some of them are very complicated. The first is that parents went back to work or mothers went back to work, and I'm not blaming mothers here, uh, but what happened was that once there were two parents working, Uh, It meant two things. It meant, first of all, there was a huge demand for convenience food that could be put on the table more quickly. And also there were real questions about child care. And so children who were up until then kind of allowed to run free during childhood were basically placed under house arrest because people were worried about what happened to them. And so that's trend number one. Trend number two was an enormous increase in calories in the food supply, that occurred starting in about 1980, which is exactly the time when rates of obesity started to go up. Um, Farm policies changed. Farmers were encouraged to grow more food, which they did very effectively. And the number of calories went up from 3,200 calories per day in 1980 to the present 3,900 calories a day, which is roughly twice what the country needs on average. So food companies had to sell that. And not only that, but they had to sell that food in an extraordinarily competitive environment in which, starting in the early 1980s, the whole investment system changed from one where there was a big focus on blue-chip stocks and waiting for years to get returns on investment to one in which there was enormous pressure on companies to produce immediate returns on investment and to report those returns to Wall Street every 90 days. So if you're a food company in this situation trying to sell food in a country in which there's twice as many calories as anybody could possibly use, and you have to report not only profit but growth in profit, To wall street every quarter you're in real trouble and food companies had to sell food and i think that's what changed a lot of society
0: they turned to children to sell food
1: well one of the things they did was to make it possible for people make it socially acceptable to eat all day long to snack instead of eating meals to eat on the run to eat in cars to eat in bookstores Um, to eat in places where food was formally forbidden. And they began marketing directly to children, even more than they had in the past, to try to convince kids to uh, identify brands and to ask their parents for them, and then really to try to convince kids that they knew more about what they were supposed to eat than their parents knew, and that they're supposed to eat kids' food. Food made specially for them.
0: Yes, I'm sure you saw this latest study from the Kaiser Family Foundation just recently on television ads and children, and they found that children eight to twelve years old watch 21 food ads a day, minimum, as an absolute
1: minimum. Um, and this, you know, these are an enormous number of messages, and those ads are mostly for junk foods. They're for foods that are high in sugars and high in fats and high in salt and high in calories and not very particularly nutritious. Uh, because those are the foods that are most profitable and make the most money for the food companies. Remember, they had, those food companies have to grow. It's not that food companies are trying to make kids fat. Um, childhood obesity is collateral damage from the normal way of doing business.
0: And kids have a lot of money. I think I read it's something like $30 billion of their own dollars is spent on... Well,
1: there's on... a lot of, you know, like parents give kids allowances. And um, there, there's been tons of research on what kids spend that money on. And they spend it on sodas and candy. Um, and other kinds of food that parents might not have at home.
0: There seems to be plenty of face validity in connecting $10 billion a year spent on marketing non-nutritious foods and beverages to children with the increased rate of obesity. But in your writing, you have cited a recent study by the Institute of Medicine giving empirical evidence of that link.
1: Oh, without any question. This is an enormous study of 123 research studies that looked at the effects of Food marketing on children's preferences, pestering their parents, attitudes towards food, what they actually ate, and their health. I thought it completely settled the question, does advertising induce kids to choose foods? Yes, it certainly does. Does advertising get kids to ask their parents for foods? Yes. Does it, in, in, does it have an impact on what they eat? Absolutely. And does that have an effect on what their health is like? That's harder to show, but even there, there were plenty of indications.
0: If 30% of the calories in the average child's diet is from sweets, soft drinks, salty snacks, and, and uh, fast foods, it seems like there's an obvious and easy solution. Yeah, Don't have them in the house. And that's my advice
1: for parents. If you don't want your kids eating junk food, you shouldn't have it in the house.
0: And yet for parents, it's maybe not so simple. This is it's pretty not challenging. So,
1: it's not so simple. You know, parents have to decide what they're going to fight with their kids about. And I don't know any parent who wants to fight with their kids about food. Uh, I didn't when I was a parent of young children, and I don't think that situation has changed. And you think, oh, for heaven's sakes, if they buy a, you know, if they ask for a box of sugary cereal, what harm is it going to do? It's better than candy. I mean, that's sort of the standard attitude that I hear um, about parents who are worried about their kids' physical safety, whether they're taking drugs or smoking, or any of the other kinds of childhood threats that they're up against these days. Food seems way down on the priority list, and it's only when you start noticing What's happened with food that you begin to get alarmed and intervene?
0: Dr. Nessel, um, I recently had the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Victor Strasberger, author of the American Academy of Pediatrics advertising statement and recommendations for pediatricians. They are suggesting that pediatricians, parents, and public health groups pressure Congress to tighten legislation and introduce bans regarding marketing toward children.
1: Isn't that wonderful? I think it's about time the American Academy of Pediatrics started taking a stronger position on this because they are the health authorities who deal with the consequences of bad diets in kids. I think it's wonderful that they're doing that. Right. Um, And it's the first time, as far as I can tell, that they have taken that kind of a position on a food issue. Uh, I think it's an enormous advance and it is an indication of how serious the problem is because what pediatricians tell me and I hear from them all over the country, is that once they have an obese child in their practice, they really have only limited things that they can do. It's not easy to correct overweight once it's established, but if they could prevent it, that would be really helpful. And I've had pediatricians tell me that obese children in their practices consume 1,200, 1,500, once 2,000 calories a day from soft drinks alone. Wow. Now, if that's being allowed and permitted, and I think society permits, uh, that kids to drink soft drinks all day long, then it's not hard to figure out why kids are gaining weight.
0: But it is heartening to hear that pediatricians will step up and take a leadership role in helping parents and families to resist the influence of outside forces. Well, I
1: think that's the critical part, because it's one thing to say to a parent, what's the matter with you? Can't you control what your kids are eating? And it's another to say, let's try to fix society so that it makes it easier for parents to to help their kids eat more healthfully.
0: You describe this problem as approximately 20 years in the making, and I can't help but wonder what incredible effort today's parents will have to make because they were raised during the past 20 years in a food culture similar, not the same, but similar to their children, and it might not be second nature for them to resist influences and make healthy choices.
1: Right. And that's, of course, the cycle of bad diets that we're seeing where my parents don't know any better. And so that's where education comes in. But again, the default in society right now is to have kids eat junk food. Um, and we need to fix that so that the default is to help kids eat more healthfully so that, there's, so that healthy food is presented to them every time they're eating except on birthdays or special treats or something like that. It isn't that uh, we think that kids shouldn't ever eat candy or cake or, uh, or whatever. It's just that those should be occasional contributions to the diet, not the main fare.
0: Yes. And in the end, though, the responsibility is placed on the shoulders of parents. And it seems like the only way for parents to gain control is to opt out of the culture a bit. How do parents live in this society and protect their children? Well,
1: I certainly know parents who have attempted to opt out of the culture and more power to them. And these parents tell me that they don't let their kids watch TV. They don't have any junk food in the house. They um, admonish their children not to eat certain things in school and so forth and so on. And they can control it to a certain extent, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But it certainly is easier if you don't have these foods in the house. If you're a parent who wants your kid to eat healthily and you have junk food in the house, you haven't got a prayer of having this work. I mean, you must teach by example. And that's very difficult if you're in a society that isn't supporting those kinds of efforts and that's why I keep coming back to the issue of social responsibility as well as parental responsibility. We as a society have a responsibility to wait to raise healthy kids for the future of our country and our population and so forth. And we need to help parents do that. Right now the opposite is taking place.
0: And when you say we, you mean leaders Healthcare well, providers. I mean, the
1: government, health care providers, people who teach in school, anybody who has anything to do with children, and the society as a whole. I mean, we as a society, I think, have shortchanged our children in many ways,
0: um, and this is one of them. How optimistic or pessimistic do you feel about this issue?
1: Well, it depends on what time of day it is. <laughs> um, I'm enormously optimistic about what's going on in schools. I, I would describe uh, the movement to improve the quality of food in schools as a social movement because it is so widespread and so grassroots and so of the people, by the people, for the people. It's really quite extraordinary to go into towns and see that one parent, Went to the went to the school, looked at what the uh, children were eating, was horrified, and said, "This has to be changed. Organize parents, organize school food service, and fix the situation." And this is happening everywhere in the country. So there are rays of hope. Oh, I think more than rays. I think very large beans.
0: Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Marion Nessel, nutrition, food studies, and public health professor at New York University and widely published author on nutrition. Thank you for your time and thoughts, Dr. Nessel. My pleasure. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.